If you're watching online, thank you so much for being a part of this service. Uh, our prayer, my prayer, is you have a personal encounter with God. Anybody need a touch from God here? You need a touch from God? Sometimes, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I'm like, I just need to be encouraged. Do you ever feel that way? And then you might turn to your favorite, like, song or something like that. Or you might reach out to a friend and you say, I need someone to encourage me. But I'll tell you what. Nobody encourages like God, and God is able to touch you, and everything is put in perspective, and all your worries are put in perspective, all your troubles, all your stress, all your concerns, everything is put into perspective when you have an encounter with God. It's appropriate this week, and we're doing baby dedications. We actually are dedicating five babies this weekend, five babies so way to go, mom and dad. You're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. You got it down. You, you understand how this works, right? So just keep doing that, and we'll keep dedicating, dedicating babies. When you think about, um, now, you're obviously not going to remember this, but when you were in your mother's womb, what were the circumstances like around mom? What was the home like around mom? Was it a home of peace or, or conflict? Was there trouble? Were you... Uh, was mom living in an apartment or a house? Was she uh, married, single parent, whatever it was? What was the circumstances around when your mom was pregnant with, with you? I want you to hear this. From the moment God saw you in your mother's womb, God had a desire for you to know him. From the very moment God saw you in your mother's womb, he said, I want you to know me. And God is a passionate, consuming fire God. And he wants you to know him. He wants you to know his grace and his love, his strength, his mercy, his goodness. He wants you to cry out to him. I have this uh, uh, at my house. Uh, I discovered a leak um, behind our wall, our shower wall. And I discovered it because I was in our utility room and I looked up and there was like a, a leak on the ceiling. And I, I was like, well, we just need a good coat of paint to fix that. You know what I mean? And I, and I, I said, Grace, you got to do something. No, I didn't do that. But anyway, I, I realized, well, we got some problem here. And so someone from church is helping us out graciously and it's a beautiful thing. But I discovered that behind our shower wall, there was this leak that was happening and it was, uh, I, I got like mold we had to deal with, and it was black and all kinds of stuff. And who knows how long this thing has been leaking. It reminded me of sometimes how we might have a, our own leak in our own life. And we think it's not a big deal. But you know, the most dangerous leaks are the slow ones. Those are the most dangerous because you don't realize it's leaking. And, uh, but it's behind a wall. So it's, it's unseen. And I thought, boy, how many times do we kind of hide behind our wall, and there's things happening in our life, but we don't want other people to see them, and we don't show them to anyone else, but we have this God who sees everything. He can see behind the wall. He can see what's happening in our life. The crazy thing is this God wants us to know him. I mean, he's not satisfied with a long-distance relationship or a one-night stand. He wants you to know him Let's pray, guys. God, I just pray that you move here in a powerful way. Holy Spirit, take a hold of me by your grace. Lord, we don't need to hear a word from me. We need to hear a word from you. So God, supernaturally, 
according to Isaiah 61, anoint this message. Move in the heart of the person who's watching online. Move in the heart of the person who's sitting here in this room right now. And I pray that every soul just hears a word from you. Encourage, lift up, stir, convict, do whatever you want. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Jesus, you are Lord, and we worship you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Psalm 139, if you looked at, uh, I have a, a, the subtitle, you know, in, in Psalms, in the book of Psalms, and if you're just joining us, we're walking through several Psalms, and we're in this series called The People's Hallelujah. Incidentally, you could help write songs here, so make sure to check your inbox and respond and help us write a song. You can provide the lyrics. It's been a lot of fun seeing our worship team put this together. But the subtitle in Psalm chapter 139, you know, this is, uh, I'm not preaching a lot of the Psalms this summer, but this is like one of my favorite Psalms, one of my favorites. And the subtitle says, God's omnipresence and omniscience. For the choir director, a Psalm of David. So, King David is attributed to be the author behind this psalm. And we're going to look at these two big words, omnipresence and omniscience. But uh, the, in fact, the ver first, first, six, first six verses say uh, omniscience of God. And omniscience means all-knowing, that God knows everything. God knows tomorrow. God knows you. And it starts off like this, verse 1. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, Behold, O oh Lord, you know it all. You've enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. King David is coming to this awareness that God knows him. God knows him, and God loves him, and he's coming to grips with this all-powerful, all-knowing God that wants to have a relationship with him, and it's overwhelming for King David as he thinks about this. Timothy Keller said it like this. He said, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. Like what he says, he says to be loved but not known. It's superficial. You know, they, they love you, but they don't really, they don't really know, know you. You know, social distancing, you know, this has become a popular word in the last 18 months, but it's really been a long, around a very long time. We've been practicing social distancing over and over. In fact, technology has made it possible for us to keep social distance from others. Technology. 
We're able to send out emails and not have a real relationship with people. We're able to text people and not... I mean, how many of you prefer to text than make a phone call? Anyone like would prefer to text? You just like that control. I know it. That's all it is. You like that control, and it's like, I don't know. How many of you, and even when it comes to when you're on Zoom or something, you don't put up your video, and you just have your name over it? Anybody like doing that? You guys annoy me, but yeah, that's, we have several people like that. But uh, it, that's just what it is. So social distancing really has been happening for a long time. Um, let me ask you this. Those people who follow you on Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook, do they really know you? I mean, they follow you. Or how about you? Do you follow, when you follow people, do you really know them? You don't know them at all. And, and in fact, we can go on Instagram and create all kinds of filters and, and look at pictures and think, oh, well, that's that person. But you don't really know them. Keller said this, to be known but not loved. To be known but not loved. This is the great fear. Have you ever bared your soul on someone? You just kind of opened up and said, I'm just going to tell you my soul. And you just, it's like a gift. You gave it to that person, and then you were hurt by that person. And then you said, I'm never going to do that again. That was hurtful. I just opened up myself. Or have you ever, have you ever been in a conversation with someone that you really don't know? And within the first five minutes, it's like TMI. They just share too much information with you, and they go, they share all their dirty laundry with you, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. It, it's too early in the relationship, you know, to have this kind of, you know, intimacy. And so you back off, and you're like, that was, you know, I don't really, I don't really want to know you. I, you know, I, I thought I, 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 it's just too much. I don't know about this. I don't know. It's kind of like when you maybe have gone out on a date with someone, or you're working with someone and they seem so kind and, and soft-spoken and then something just ticks them off. They're at a restaurant or something and all of a sudden you see a whole other side come out and you're like, I had no idea that's who you really were. I had no idea. I think one of the basic questions we have when we enter a relationship is how much, how much of me do I let you know? How much of me do I let you know who I am? How much of me do I, how much do I tell you about me? That's a basic question we have. Do I, do I tell you, am I going to take this step and tell you this? Am I going to take this step and tell you? How much am I going to share with you? Because I'm not sure how you're going to respond. I'm not sure if you're going to like me if I share too much information. How much do I share? If I shared some things with you, would you still look at me the same way? If you knew my struggles, would you still respect me? If you knew my challenges and my fears and my insecurities, would you still have the same perspective of me if, if you knew all of those things? But he said to be fully known and truly loved. Well, that's what God has done. I like the way uh, Eugene Peterson says it in verse 2. He says, I'm an open book to you, even from a distance. You know what I'm thinking. You know, God knows right now what you're thinking. God knows you. God knows where you're at. He knows your attitude. He knows whether you're here or not here. He knows if you're looking at ESPN or Snapchat while I'm preaching, God knows you. He can see everything. God knows you. It's a crazy thought. 
God knows what you're going to say before you say it. God knows why you use those words. God knows why you have a chip on your shoulder. God knows your hurt, your heart, your pain, your desires, your fears, your thoughts, your thinking, your anxious thinking, your worrying. He knows the way you reason. He knows the way you process. He made you. He loves you. He knows you. He knows why you overthink. He knows what you do at 2 a.m. He knows what you do at 2 p.m. He knows the temptations that you struggle with. And he knows the desires of your heart. He knows your wants. He cares for you. God knows you. And it's so cool. You came to church and you said, I'm going to, I just want to, you know, we have this desire to know God. We have this desire to know his love and his grace and, and, greater, and his presence in our life. Verse 7 talks about this omnipresence of God, which means all present. Like God is everywhere. And David says this. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If, if I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. Sheol, that's a Hebrew word. It's basically a place of the dead. That's what it means. And David's saying, if I go to the place of the dead, even there, God's presence will be with me. In verse 9, he says, if I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there, your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me and check it out look what look what he says verse 11 if i say surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day darkness and light are alike to you David, you know, when you read this, you get this impression that David knows what it's like to be in dark places. David knows what it's like to have bad days. David knows what it's like to have moral failures. David knows what it's like to sin. He knows what it's like to have guilt and shame. He knows what it's like to look in the mirror and not like who he sees. He knows what that's like. And David says, you know what? Even in the dark places, God is present. He is with me. It's in that place, that dark place, where spiritual forces are stronger than you. It's that place where you feel weak. It's that place where you trip up, where there's evil. It's that place where you know you shouldn't be, but there's a part of you that wants to be there. You know what I'm talking about? It's that place where your thoughts go to dark places. It's that place where pride and lust and anger and all those things, hatred, make their home. They're all roommates in this place. You can find God there. It's also that place where you feel alone. You know, that, that song that we sang here a little while ago, uh, most of those lyrics were written by, by Zach. Zach's the bald guy, not the bald guy on the left, the bald guy on the right. He was our drummer. And, and Zach talked about this about a time when he went home and he just felt alone. 
It's a beautiful, it's really his journal. That's what it is. He just led us into his little prayer life, and it's beautiful. Uh, I shouldn't say little. His prayer life, and it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's his journal. But, you, you know, that can be a dark place when you feel alone. You can go home and feel like, I'm just, I'm just feeling alone. Maybe it's where depression lives, or maybe it's the place where God doesn't make sense, where tragedy happened. It doesn't make sense, or maybe God feels distance, or maybe it's mental illness, and it's real. Or it's a place where life feels unfair, or there's hurt, and there's pain, or disease, or infertility, or confusion. And it's that place, it's that dark place. But I want you to hear this, God is present in those dark places. You can cry out to God from that empty home, and God hears your prayers, You can cry out to God from that bar, from that club, from that house, from that workplace, from your car, wherever you're at, you can cry out to God. See, God's not intimidated by darkness. God is light, and light shines best in darkness. And God is able to reach you wherever you're at. When I first kind of came to this conclusion, I thought, I'm not sure if I want God in certain dark places. I can be honest. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, I'm not sure if I'm going to this dark place. I don't want anyone there. And I'm not sure I want God there. And here's what I've discovered. This God who knows us and loves us and wants to have a relationship with us, he loves us so much, he's willing to go to those places, even when he's unwelcomed. Because he just has a heart for you to turn to him. He has a heart for you to turn to him with all of your heart. And he's waiting for that moment. See, God will not let the darkness overwhelm you. Somebody needs to hear that. God will not let the darkness overwhelm you. Some of you might feel like that darkness is dominating. You might feel like that darkness is overwhelming you. But I want you to know God is greater than that darkness. God is greater than that darkness, and he will not allow you to be overwhelmed by that. This is important for everyone to hear. Those people who are far from God, who are living in spiritual darkness, but it's also important for those people who consider themselves Christians, because Christians can go to dark places. Christians can go to places that aren't good for the heart, that aren't good for the soul, Christians can go to those places. They may go to church and they may worship, which is beautiful, but you can, you can have your battles, can't you? We can have our battles. And I want you to know you have a God who wants to set you free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that's what God wants to do. And I love that David says, his hand will lead you. The darkness is not dark to God. The night is bright as the day in God's eyes. When you look at scripture, you see over and over this desire for God to, for us to know him. Over and over. I'm looking at Matthew chapter 1. And he was talking about the, the, the prophecy of the birth of Jesus. Verse 23 says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates means God with us. That's the heart of God. All the way in the Old Testament, all the way in the New Testament, you see God wants you to know him. And you see his willingness to go to dark places. Jesus crossed a lake to go to this area where there was this man who was caught up 
by many demons. They were called legion. And Jesus crossed this lake to go to this very dark place. This guy who was cutting himself, chains couldn't hold him down. Nobody was strong enough to hold him down. But then he met Jesus. And everything changed. It's the woman who's at the well in Samaria. And all the Jews go around Samaria. They don't walk through Samaria. But there's this woman who's living in a very dark place. She's had like five men and the sixth one is not even her husband. And Jesus just has a conversation with her. Goes to this dark place. He wants her to know the living water. That's your Jesus. That's who God is. He wants you to know there's this living water and you don't have to drink from a sewer. There's this way of life that God has for you that nothing else, nothing else can fill. Phil, um, uh, verses 13 through 18 says this, the omnip- omnipotent, I'm having a hard time speaking. Anybody praying for me? I speak for a living. I need you guys to pray for me. I'm not sure what. I drank an energy drink before tonight. I think that's the problem. I drank an energy drink. So I'll be, I'll be like, the message will be done in two minutes or something. Uh, Psalm 139, verse 13. <clears throat> for you formed my inward parts. That's what David says. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am, what church, read that out loud, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Isn't that beautiful? Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. So poetic. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book, we're all, we're, in your book, we're all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Beautiful passage. Like God sees you, like who you really are. Now, when we take selfies, there's a lot of dishonesty going on. We'll just be real here. Because when you take a selfie... You look at yourself. I mean, some of you will take like 20 selfies before you post it because you look at one and you say, well, I see my double chin and I don't want anybody else to see my double chin. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to use that one. Or I see this shadow. There's shadows under my eyes or I'm looking this way. My smile is weird. It's a crooked smile. Or I got something hanging from my nose. Let me clean my nose. I don't want to post that one. Whatever it is. And eventually you find one that's decent and then you can't leave it alone. You go to these filters, and you start working on the filters. You know, this one takes off wrinkles. I'm going to use this one right here. This one looks good. And after a while, you come to this place as you do all this custom work to edit yourself where you realize, you know what? This is about as good as it's going to get. I might as well post it. It's a sobering reality when you're like, this is it. It's not going to get any better than that. And I want you to hear this. God loves the unedited version of you. God loves the unedited version of you. I feel like the older I get, I just see people differently. I look at the souls, and I look at the older saints. Their bodies may have changed. And for some of you, you've been at Thorn Creek for 18 years, and I look different, and you look different, but our souls look so beautiful. And I can see our souls. God loves the unedited version of you. It's like looking at a painting. Did you notice the artist 
of the painting always looks at the painting differently from all the bystanders. The artist is emotionally attached to every stroke. That's how God looks at us. You're his masterpiece, and he created you, and you're beautiful, and he, is, he just is in love with you. He's like, don't change your nose. I love that double chin. I love the fact that you look like this. <laughs> he just looks at you, and he loves you. He sees your soul. Our bodies are wasting away. And as we get older, we're reminded that we're not, this is not our forever, forever home. Our bodies are so beautiful. In fact, I did a little research to discover some facts about our human body. Um, we were born with around 270 bones. And as you get older, a lot of those bones are fused together. So right now, you probably have close to 206 bones right now. Uh, medical science has just scratched the surface to understand the human brain, but the brain has 100 billion nerve cells, at least. 100 billion nerve cells. And your eyes, your eyes are so powerful. One of the best commercial cameras is about 150 megapixels. But your human eye can take a picture at 576 megapixels. Your heart starts to beat right around 22 days after conception. But your heart in an average lifetime will pump 1 million barrels of blood. 1 million barrels of blood. And this is an important fact. You can produce enough saliva to fill two bathtubs in a year. <laughs> I thought you should know that. So just start spitting. And... Uh, <laughs> and your fingernails grow faster than your toenails. So um, you needed to know that. So in God's eyes, you have to hear this. You were never a blob of tissue. In God's eyes, you were never a blob of tissue. Never. See, God cares for life at conception. God cares for life at conception. This means God's people should also care for life at conception. Can I get a hallelujah, amen, or an applause to that? Um, it is so important. You know, abortion is horrible. Abortion is horrible. Now, I know there are certain limited situations where mom might be in danger, and that's a different story. I'm just talking about abortion for convenience sake. Shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. We need to pray. It's a reminder, over one million babies you know, were lost you know, just a few years ago, and the numbers are staggering. But according to God's word, human conception is not an accidental process. It's an intentional one. And, and mom may have her body, but there's a living soul inside of mom's body, a living person that God is shaping and molding and forming into his image. And then this crazy thing. God thinks about you. Verse 17, he says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Next time you're at the beach, just take one grain of sand, and I want you to think about God's love for you, and just move that one grain of sand into a jar. And, and God, I'm th think about the number, his thoughts towards you outnumber the grains of sand. 
He loves you. He cares about you. He sees you. He sees the desires of your heart. He wants you to experience grace and mercy and forgiveness. He doesn't want you to live with guilt or shame or any of those things. He, want, he doesn't want you to beat yourself up. He wants you to know his grace. He doesn't want you to think in a limited way. He wants you to see your life through Christ Jesus. It's a really weird thing that happens. I think it's our human nature to try to conceal our faults. You know what I'm talking about? You conceal our faults. It's like I, you, ha, you know what your issues are. Maybe it's that bad temper or whatever it is. You have these issues. I have these issues. And we try to conceal our faults a little bit. And, and you know, when you hang out with someone long enough, you start seeing the faults come out, right? And the longer you hang out with someone. And, uh, and we try to conceal our faults. And we say, I don't want you to see this part of me. I'm going to maintain this image. I'm going to maintain just whatever it is. I'm, I don't want you to see that I'm going to act really this way, I'm going to be gracious and kind and nice and loving. I don't want you to see that other side of me. So we really spend a lot of time trying to conceal our faults. But David does something really, he comes to this place that's really, really amazing. He gets to this place where he recognizes he can't hide his faults from God. In fact, God sees all of his faults. He recognizes, you know what? God knows me so well. He knows the thoughts in my head from a distance. He knows what I'm going to say before I say it. He knows my fears, my worries. He knows all this stuff. And here's the crazy thing. God still wants me. God still loves me. It's a great mystery. Our all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God wants us, you and me, to know him, and faults and all, faults and all. I mean, what kind of God searches us, knows us, and still wants us? He goes on to say, oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed, for they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies like uh, take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. It's this crazy spiritual chemistry thing that's happening between David and God. He recognizes God knows him. He recognizes he can't escape God's presence. He recognizes God's love for him, even in spite of him. And he gets to this place and he basically says, you know what, I, I'm, I'm in solidarity with God. I'm in solidarity with God by declaring hatred for God's enemies. In other words, God's passions are his passions. That's what happens when you walk with God. And when you experience his grace and mercy in your life, and you cry out to God, and God hears your prayers and even answers them, and you experience that touch from the Lord, and all of a sudden, it's like this new craving develops inside of you, and you want more of God, and not only more of God, but more of what God wants for your life. All of a sudden, his will is greater than your will. And you recognize his game plan is way better than your game plan. See, you don't have to live with guilt or shame. God hears your prayers. God hears you. God wants you to know him. David's heart has been so interwoven with God's heart that it has now become one with God's heart. 
And the closer you get to God, the more his passions become your passions. Then he says this crazy prayer, guys. Psalm 139, perhaps these are the two most popular verses in Psalm 139. Here it is. Let's just read this out loud because this is a great prayer. Um, Let's go to that slide, brother. Here it is. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Would you make that your prayer? Search me, O God. You know me. You know me, God. Try me. You know my anxious thoughts, God. You know me so well. Nothing is hidden before you. Search me and try me and see if there's anything hurtful in me. Another version says wicked. See if there's anything wicked in me. See if there's anything in me that's offensive, God. Anything, God, and lead me in the way of everlasting. See, a spiritually mature person becomes obsessed with God invading every part of their life. A spiritually mature person who has this encounter with the love of God, has this encounter with Jesus, they become obsessed like, God, I want more of you. It's so good. I want more of you, God. I want more of your joy. I want more of your peace. I see how you move and you're so much greater and more beautiful. I want more of you. And the spiritually mature person becomes obsessed with this idea of God invading every corner and crevice of their life. God wants you. He wants all of you. He knows you. You can't hide from him. You can't run from him. He's seen other people just like you. Your pride is not anything different that he's never seen. He's ever seen. God sees you and he wants you to trust him. Can you do that? Can you trust God? Some of you need to receive Jesus Christ into your life. And I'm so glad you're at Thorn Creek Church. And you can receive Jesus Christ and say this prayer and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Others of you might consider yourself a Christian, but maybe you're in a dark place. I want you to know you came here to church tonight because God wants you to know he doesn't want you to stay there right now anymore. God wants to deliver you from that dark place. Will you let him? Will you let him just have his way in your heart? He sees your heart. You don't have to worry about anything. He provides. He'll take care of you. He'll watch over you. God, we thank you. Thank you, God, for your presence. I'm so grateful for Psalm chapter 139. I'm grateful, God, that you see us and you're the all-knowing, all-present, and all-powerful God. You're omnipresent and omniscient. I'm grateful for that, Lord. Lord, I, I just, I just want to pray for hearts here, Lord. Some hearts need to receive you, maybe as Lord and Savior. And if that's you, would you just say, Jesus, come into my heart right now and be my Savior, be my Lord. Forgive me for my sins. I, I turn from that way of life, and I turn to you as best as I know how. And I choose, Jesus, to follow you. Others of you might need to say, God, I need you to deliver me from this dark place. You know me so well, God. Others of you might need to say, God, I need you in my home. Invade my home. Invade my marriage. 
I need you to provide for me, God. I need you to help me with my children. I need you to go before me. I need you to take care of the desires of my heart, God. Help me not to worry, God. Help me not to be afraid, but to trust you instead. My future is in your hands, God. My past is in your hands and my present as well. Thank you, God, for your grace. It's in Jesus' name, our Savior, we pray. Amen.